0: Post the work that you want to get. Mm -hmm. I'd say that's huge. You know, whatever type of work you want to be getting, you have to be shooting that content. And if you're not getting hired for it, pull out your wallet, go book, you know, a model or something and uh, go film and don't wait around for the right client or the right work to come your way. You have to create it yourself, in my opinion. That's what I wish I would have done long ago. Hello
1: and welcome to another episode of the Golden Hour Podcast. I'm your host Dave Mays here in the Polar Pro Studio. Today's guest is Ben Hess, who's a full-time freelance filmmaker who's also made a name for himself on YouTube and Instagram. Ben has worked with talented people such as Sam Elkins and Peter McKinnon, as well as large brands like Epidemic Sound. I really enjoyed my interview with Ben. We shared a camaraderie of experience in the wedding cinematography world, as well as the freelance video and film world and now of course in the youtube space as well in my interview with ben we talk about how to get started in the creative industry and some tactics that he used to be able to work and collaborate with some incredible names i really enjoyed my interview with ben so without any further ado let's listen in on that interview so, Ben, before we get started, we, uh-huh. uh, we're going to play a little game called One Word Rapid Fire. Let's do this. We've got a bunch of questions here. Just answer them as quickly as possible.
0: Okay. Where are you from? Bakersfield, California. Favorite cinema camera? Ooh, uh, Red Gemini. Favorite cinema lens? Ooh, Atlas Anamorphic 65mm. Best location to film? Oh, man. Mammoth Mountain.
1: <laughs> Go-to favorite movie? The Dark Knight. How would you describe your editing style in one word?
0: Mm, perfect
1: <laughs> Favorite stills camera um, 5D Mark III Five, Favorite stills lens 35mm one 1.4 Go to favorite drone mm, Inspire 2 Alfredo sauce or marinara mm, Marinara Did you cut your cable Huh <laughs> <laughs> Like do you still have cable Never had it Television Netflix Netflix <laughs> Yep Mac or PC Mac all the way Android or o- iOS iOS uh, and I guess we answered this earlier. Old Kanye or new Kanye? Uh, I guess new Kanye, yeah. Heck yeah, man. Cool. So <laughs> a couple of those things we'll get back to uh, in our conversation but first, I just want to get to know you. You know, we just oh, yeah. met as you walked in here, and um, I'm a filmmaker. I've about 10 years of experience as a mm-hmm, freelancer, mm-hmm. and then I started doing YouTube about two years ago. Uh, how did you get started in filmmaking?
0: Yeah, so let's see. When I was in, high- well, I've always had like a family camera, you know, running around when I was a kid, mm-hmm. and we'd make short little films with my cousins and stuff. And then I saw a flyer for a local film festival in my hometown. And this was for like college and youth and high school. And so I'm like, let's do this. So I like saved up all my allowance or, you know, money that I earned. Bought a Canon T3i. Nice. Entered the film festival and was like, this is amazing. We ended up winning, but the competition was really low. So what, what
1: year is this, like 2010 or something?
0: Yeah, or this was like 20, 2011. 2012, I think, right around there. Yeah. So I, I'm 24 now and I competed when I was like between like 15, 16 and 17 years old. Mm-hmm. And then that kind of opened up my eyes to like oh man making movies is so awesome and then I competed a second year and we ended up tying for first place and keep it keep in mind this is like real like a lot of people were still shooting on like just old family cameras yeah but because I had the t3i and like the nifty 50 Mm -hmm. like it just it looked so good with the bokeh and so then I got a day job out of high school and I started doing weddings on the side because mm. I worked with all these guys that were getting married yeah. and they're like, Hey, you got a camera. Can you shoot my wedding? And I'm Photos like, um, or video? first one was video, but then they were asking me to do photo too. Mm. So I, I would never do both at the same time, yeah. either one or the other. It's very hard. Oh, yeah. And so that kind of, uh, you know, grew this wedding photography and video business. Mm -hmm. So from about the ages of 18 to now, uh, or last year, I was doing built up this nice wedding photography business in my hometown. And in that time, this is the cool part. I was I kind of backed away from like the Hollywood, like wanting to be a feature film director or something. Yeah. And then I don't know if you guys remember Film Riot. Of course. Yeah. So they had friends (laughs) of Ryan. Oh, really? That's too funny. So they had the Monday Challenge, which is recreate any scene from a movie. Mm -hmm. And long story short, uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger had his love child thing. (laughs) And then that kid moved to Bakersfield and we went to the same youth group and I became friends with him without even knowing he was Arnold Schwarzenegger's son. No way. And then his last name is not Schwarzenegger. It's Baina. Baena. Yeah, his okay. name's Joseph Baena. And so then the I, I, I eventually figured it out that he was his sure. son. Yeah. And then the, the Monday challenge was recreate any scene from a movie. And this was after, this was probably when I was like 18, 19 years old. Uh-huh. And so I'm like, hey, Joseph, let's recreate Terminator 2. <laughs> we recreated Terminator 2, and I like edit it, and I upload it to YouTube. It gets like 100 views the first day. Uh-huh. And then the next day, I just wake up to phone call after phone call. If it, long story short, it got like a million views within a few days. Wow. It was everywhere on the news for like two weeks. It was the coolest thing ever. Was so
1: fun. Um, and was it designed
0: for the Film Riot
1: yeah, contest? So y- I'm sure Ryan loved the fact that it gave him publicity as well a little bit. Y- right? Probably, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because everyone
0: was saying, oh, it was made for Film Riot, and so... But of uh, course,
1: the, the news was that Arnold's son it, is yeah. playing Terminator, and you shot it to
0: look identical to it. You, as, pretty to much, scene for scene. So, you guys could just Google... Well, this is a video know.
1: podcast. If mm-hmm. you're listening to the audio, go to goldenhourpodcast.com, uh-huh. and you can watch the video. If it's okay, can we put a clip Oh, of yeah, it? of course. Yeah, yeah, So, you can see the video on the website uh, mm-hmm. on our video right now if you're listening to
0: the audio. Yeah, so, I mean, obviously, it kind of blew up because his name was attached to it. I gave it my best but yeah. at the time i shot that on the 5d mark 3 with mm-hmm. magic lantern heck yeah so you're
1: shooting raw <laughs> i shot raw yes, on the magic on dude. 5d mark 3 i uh, i bought the 50d uh back uh-huh. when the magic lantern stuff was happening mm-hmm. and i did a hack on that and that went viral on vimeo really that oh was my one goodness of the first people to put raw 50d magic lantern i don't uh-huh. know if you remember that camera it was before the 60 and 70 oh, okay D. yeah yeah you could buy that camera for like 200 bucks <laughs> and then shoot like 1080 raw off of it that's know? incredible so, um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, those were fun
0: days, man. So
1: did you study in film
0: school at all or did you just go straight out of high school? Um, what I like to call it is a YouTube University. Pretty yeah. much just, uh, you know, YouTube, just looking at I other films, just studying who I liked, what mm-hmm. I didn't like, and kind of crafting my style. I love so, it. Yeah. yeah, same
1: here. I, You know, it's funny. We're very similar. I was 17 years old, started mm-hmm. shooting wedding videos. Yeah. yeah. Um, that was 2008. I'm a little older than you. I'm almost 30. But like 20 2008 was when the 5d mark ii first came out i remember uh-huh. we, we sold our sony uh handycams and bought a bunch of dslrs yeah and i was living in nashville at the time mm-hmm. and we uh were some of the only people shooting on dslrs and so that really launched blowing everyone beer. out of the water with yeah, the quality so and stuff over the mm-hmm. next six years you know it grew and grew and we ended up doing like 300 weddings in those six whoa years and, uh had you know crews and everything and we were some of the early drone adopters and stuff so like that whole world especially the wedding world like believe me I feel your pain and I know mm-hmm. like what you've dealt with I think wedding videography especially is so daunting because not only does it require I think multiple people to do it but also mm-hmm. uh, the editing is so grueling oh I know yeah <laughs> but uh photography as well you have to be kind of the boss of the whole day in a way yep I mean, yep of course the wedding planner does a lot too but I think the wedding photographers kind of guide the day quite a bit
0: oh for sure yeah, yeah. so yeah. You,
1: you have to be very outgoing you have to be personal you know the,
0: all these people have to essentially like you so yeah yeah because you're you're pretty, basically with the bride and groom the entire day yeah. you know so you have to be very likable very you, you got to make sure you, i don't know how to put it but make sure the third day is as best as you can yeah. mm-hmm. um you know i feel like the photographer video guy does this yeah. plays a huge role in that so do you
1: ever go to weddings and you don't shoot them
0: um i haven't been to a t- i just went to one recently with a friend yeah something? yeah it was, it was a close friend of mine yeah. and so what did it feel like to you it was interesting did you i was cringe a little bit yeah i was watching like the videographers and i was like I would do things differently, but then again, I can't judge someone else's style, yeah, sure. you know, but um, it was, I felt like so stress-free. I was like, huh, <laughs> you yeah, yeah. know, wow. I'm not stressing it. I can all. actually sit with my wife and enjoy mm-hmm. this time. Enjoy the wedding, so.
1: Have you ever gone to weddings with your wife as a guest and then you work it at the same time? Um, no, I've, okay, no, I've done that multiple times. Real? Oh yeah. my goodness. I've, I have so many friends that have been getting married and like I'll shoot their wedding or whatever. Yeah. And my wife just comes as a guest and then I'm balancing mm-hmm. like
0: being guests also shooting. Oh yeah.
1: Have you ever been a groomsman in a wedding while also shooting it at the same time? No,
0: but that might happen because my yeah. cousin just got engaged. <laughs> and so I think that's going to happen next October, he said. Welcome. Yeah, yeah, it's tough, man. Are you still doing it? Or are you still promoting you, the fact that you do it? Yeah, so last year, um, it was probably my last biggest year doing weddings. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did about tw- I did about 25 weddings the past yeah. like two or three years. Mm-hmm. This wedding, I only did about maybe a dozen, like eight to, eight to 12. Yeah. And then this next year, I'm only going to take a very few select sure. um, because I wanted... Save more time for my right, filmmaking yeah, um, endeavors. So. Of course, mm-hmm.
1: and uh, no, no hate against any uh, amazing wedding videographers and uh, photographers out there. Um, I just know for me, after 300 of them, it was time mm-hmm. to move on. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: It's and it, I feel like it's such a good, like probably weddings or like music videos or you know yeah. stuff like that where it's easily scalable. You could start mm-hmm. small and work your way up. So it will teach you so much oh, business yes. stuff. Like I mm-hmm. learned uh, an incredible amount of this, like how to talk with people mm-hmm. like how to book clients how to raise your rates like mm-hmm. it, it helped me a lot in the filmmaking world Absolutely. to you know and you're
1: know. telling the same story over and over and over so you have mm-hmm. to get creative you have to learn your how to use composition you have to learn how to work with people like you said oh yeah yeah i uh, i think i learned more you know doing that than i ever would have going to school mm-hmm, so, mm-hmm. um and it, all the skills that you learn in the wedding world especially for video can be applied to especially i think I think youtube space oh yeah the quick turnaround yeah. being you know run around on your feet being quick and uh-huh. responsive to things that are happening around you
0: um so anyways yeah well what's cents, interesting but. is so at that film festival that i went to somehow i don't know how they got someone but last minute it was like a producer for marvel and there was a big it was like it's like a line producer or something so and he was like on set of all the marvel movies mm. and it was a huge dinner table of like probably 150 people before this film festival and I just so happened to sit across from him and so we we get to talking and just to show you like you never know what can come down the road like we, we talk we exchange numbers follow each other on Facebook and then years later he's still following me with my wedding stuff and he started his own little side producing company and he called me up and said Ben I love how you can do weddings because that's I know you can work under pressure real fast, get a fast turnaround, mm. and I need something like that, a shooter like that for these projects that I'm getting. And so, you know, like three or four years later, he's calling me up yeah. to do these things because he sees my wedding stuff. So yeah. it's it's crazy wow. that, you know, how these, yeah. these friendships or people that you meet can pay off years down the road, even totally. if you don't think it will. And so. don't
1: discredit it, right? Like, it, mm-hmm. cause things like that could happen. You never know. Oh, yeah, so. yeah.
0: That's amazing.
1: Um, were there any initial projects or films that you watched growing up that were a big inspiration to you as you developed as a filmmaker?
0: Hmm. I always love movies that made you like feel something. Yeah. Like The Dark Knight. I just yes. like, oh, man, it, that movie is just incredible to of me front. at least. I agree. Um, anything Christopher Nolan makes
1: I love the whole intro sequence I remember seeing an IMAX at midnight with all my friends really oh man and yeah we had a we Nashville has one of the last 70 millimeter film mm-hmm. uh, IMAX theaters in the country actually and so we saw it in 70 millimeter and it was incredible and that whole sequence the Joker sequence oh yeah like, oh my gosh it's so amazing and then I was like why is Rachel not Katie Holmes anymore yeah that was the big question <laughs> um, uh, and kind of frustrating that she didn't mm-hmm, continue that role mm-hmm. but I'm sure she's uh, angry that she didn't do it. Oh yeah. Maybe Tom yeah. Cruise had something to do with it. I don't know. But anyways, um, are, are there any other filmmakers that you look up to that you draw influence from other
0: mm-hmm. than Chris Nolan? That's a good one to look mm-hmm. up to. <laughs> um, I can't. Th- I honestly can't think of are you any. Fincher one the- fan? Um, yes. Yeah. I, Social Network was big for me. I love that movie y- a lot. It's been a long time since I've seen he's that. Dark but and creepy. Mm-hmm, yeah. Um,
1: I love. You know. Of course, stock answer is Wes Anderson. But how can you not love the, the the, the way that he shoots yeah, and the way yeah. that he edits it's beautiful oh yeah so yeah. unique um it's impossible to replicate it because then you're just a knockoff but mm-hmm, true um, but, true and what a way to create your own kind of image right yeah yeah um spielberg
0: lucas i guess yeah, right? I'm trying but, to um jj oh, J. abrams of I, I appreciate we'll him a lot he fixes star wars we'll we'll know yeah soon yeah we'll know soon <laughs> um but yeah, Mandalorian's
1: pretty awesome too. Have you seen that? Which one? Mandalorian on Disney+. I have not
0: seen it yet, mm-hmm. but I've seen been seeing a lot of baby Yoda on Instagram, oh, no. so <laughs> spoiler alert. I need to uh I need yeah. to jump on it. So yeah. John
1: Favreau is I guess a great director now that he's he's did Iron Man, he's done, you know, Jungle Book and all these films. Oh yeah, so. I love love him. Uh, so. Chef was a great film. Mm-hmm.
0: I love that show Anyway, yeah. sorry.
1: we're rambling. Um so so you went from high school, you went to a wedding and uh day job uh-huh. and you started doing that and then what happened? What what went from yeah. there after the wedding? Started? stuff
0: so after the after the terminator thing i'm like all right i need to pursue the film industry like i need to be the next Big time. And to be the next Steven Spielberg. Mm. And so there was an acting coach at this film festival that I went to. I called him up and I said, hey, can I I join classes? Not to become an actor, but to become a better filmmaker. Mm -hmm. And my two reasons was, you know, one, to become a better filmmaker and learn what it takes to be on the other side of the camera. But also, I didn't know any actors where I live Mm -hmm. because I'm about two hours north of Los Angeles and they're just isn't a film community there Uh and i'm like what better place to meet actors in acting class so i started going to that i learned so much um i did it for about a year so every friday i would drive two hours to go to acting class uh it would end at like midnight and i get home at 2 a.m my wife's all worried i'm gonna drive off the road because i'm tired or something (laughs) (laughs) when I was finished with acting classes. I'm like the Hollywood, it's not as glamorous as you think. Like you're working a lot of hours and whoever kind of owns the big studios I felt kind of owned the movie industry, like owned your time. And I wanted freedom and flexibility Mm. to go. I love the mountains. So I want to be able to just go to the mountains when I want or spend time with family. And so I thought maybe this, you know, big Hollywood director stuff, isn't quite where I need to be right now. Mm -hmm. And then I was wondering what I'm gonna do. So I was just doing my weddings, kind of coasting. And then this is where it gets interesting. A guy named Samuel Elkins, uh big photographer on instagram yeah i know sam he posted
1: gonna, we've been trying to get him on the podcast oh really well i can
0: yeah. get you on i'll Basically. get him on here <laughs> we, we were gonna try him this week but he's out of town really yeah. oh my goodness yeah. so anyways he posted uh he said he's in the utah and he said i'm moving from utah to los angeles filmmakers message email me yeah so i did exactly that i emailed him sent him a few uh videos that i had made and, he, and then he's like oh this is great let's meet up and so Pretty much I met up with Sam and the rest is history. Like I can wow. go into a lot more detail of how it all works out, but yeah, yeah it all, all kind of changed. Well, what from, do you mean? Did he hire you or did yeah. these
1: guys became friends or so what? So this
0: is the, this is the cool part. He, we got an hour. Oh okay. yeah. <laughs> all right. So Sam Elkins, he says, let's have coffee. Uh, and this was like a week after that initial you know email mm-hmm. and I'm like, sweet. He responded. And so I was like, I need to show him that I have the worth ed- ethic and all that stuff. hmm so I drive down there. We have coffee. He's like, "Hey, you know, I, I could. I can't really pay you a lot right now, but next week, Classic. Can you? Can you? That's <laughs> how uh, it always starts. Oh yeah. Can you come back down and shoot a YouTube video for me? I want to make it on why I moved from Utah to Los Angeles. Uh-huh. And I'm like, of course I can. And so, you know, I, I basically I left LA and then. Uh, you know a few days goes by I come back down and I I filmed it as best as I could mm-hmm. I was like so nervous like filming with him. I'm like yeah, oh yeah. I hope this turns out good and I go in and edit that like as best I can mm-hmm. and this is for free you know yeah and so he uploads it to Instagram like everyone loves it and, and then he's so Instagram because he's he, such a big Instagram yeah Instagram. or actually anti so you put it on like on YouTube both. and Instagram sure and then uh then what happened then i was and then he's like sweet let's continue making more and then he got uh his agent or manager i can't remember which one and he said dude i just got this job for clear it's the where you get to the airport security faster uh-huh. he's like let's fly to san francisco i got a job for us and i'm like it was that fast like wow. i i took the time to drive down there to meet for free for yeah. 20 minutes Four hour round trip, same thing, went and shot for free. Totally. Showed them what I made of, and then boom, a big job happens wow. literally like right after that. That and, happens all the time because mm-hmm. people
1: just wanna realize that they can trust you, that they oh, yeah. can rely on you. And you did that. You showed that you had mm-hmm. work ethic. And boom, like as soon as a real job came about, he was like, All right, let's go. Yep, yeah. yep. And so that's a great tip for anybody listening who's starting out, like just even offer yourself for free maybe mm-hmm. for, to certain people. Cause oh yeah. Things like that can happen.
0: I always call it like ed- like an educated guess or like you don't want to just work for free for anyone but you yeah. want to make sure it's kind of like the right fit. Yeah. Um, I mean for Sam was an influencer mm-hmm. who mm-hmm. had
1: potential to, to hire you. You mm-hmm. don't want just some random brand who like sees your work and sends you an Instagram DM that's like hey uh, we make these random uh, sports coats. Could you do mm-hmm. a free video for us? You know that's not yeah. going to go anywhere.
0: Yeah. You want to make sure it aligns with where you want to be going you know in the future future and pretty much ever since that clear video <laughs> Excuse me. uh pretty much ever since that clear video it was just job after job after job awesome and we were we went to like uh you know utah colorado san francisco more and then that all led to so many that pretty much led to I'm, I'm where I am now because of that initial mm. like meeting with Sam Elkins. It's insane. Do you still so, work with him? Oh, yeah all the time. Oh, cool. Yeah, so
1: are you sort of his go-to second shooter? Yeah, so or?
0: for the first year I did a lot of his YouTube content and pretty much most of his brand deals yeah. that, that required video I had to go shoot it for him mm. this year uh, because I do live two hours north He has a, a few other shooters that will film his YouTube videos, sure. but he calls me up for the bigger projects uh, mm-hmm. So super appreciative of that and uh yeah. And then we even made like a course together for him, uh, which is done pretty well. So it's uh, it's crazy what can come from just one one connection or relationship. Wow. Yeah.
1: <laughs> so throughout that whole journey, when did you buy a red?
0: Yes. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> circling back to the Terminator video, uh-huh. I was like looking through the comments one day and someone commented, yo man uh i have a red next time you're gonna shoot something like this let me know and i'll drive down and film it for you and then i was that kind of got me thinking like oh maybe i could look up reds again and then i realized they were coming out with some models that were less they're still expensive but less expensive than the previous Mm -hmm. ones not the model Uh, x but more like the model 3. yeah Yeah. (laughs) and uh so I went from the t3i mm-hmm. and then i'm like i need uh, a full frame camera and then i saw so i got the mark three uh-huh. and then i'm like oh i could put magic lantern on this and i love the raw capabilities yeah but it was still so limited and, and the work all the conversion and all that yeah, it's annoying the workflow sucked and i'm like i just need a red and so somehow i convinced my That's wife a big to jump let, there. yeah somehow i convinced my wife to let me get one and i got it because i did the weddings I worked. She's shaking her head no yeah. right now. But uh. <laughs> I worked uh, my day job, and I did the weddings on the side. Uh-huh. And we lived pretty conservatively, and mm-hmm. that—that's what allowed me to get the red. That's um, And I got the scarlet W, and then I put my name on a list, and I got it like a year later or something like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then I upgraded to the our uh, Gemini when that came out. Yeah, what's the specs on that? Is that full it's, frame or is that just AK? Like um, no, or what? well, there's so many different like uh, super 35 crop sensors So this one's actually pretty close to full frame. It's 1.2. Okay. 1.22 or whatever. Nice. Um and so I really like it and I then yeah. then I forgot my Gemini. No, after I got my Scarlet W and I was going to trade it in for the Gemini, I'm like, "Man, I need uh I need some anamorphic lenses. That'll mm-hmm. take it to the next level." Oh, yeah, that'll that'll be real cheap. <laughs> mhm. And so somehow I convinced my wife to let me do that. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it sounds like you convince yeah. her because every time you deliver on, like, bringing in the work, at mm-hmm. least, right? So Yeah, pretty much. Mm-hmm. I, I always justified my purchases, like, if it shouldn't be this way in the industry, but it's like, I had a red and people would be like, oh, he yeah. has a red. He knows what he's doing. And, yeah. you know, I don't know what I'm doing all the time, but, like. That kind of helped a little bit, especially with like my Instagram and stuff, and the, and then, um, but a lot of time, a lot of the money came from my weddings, believe it or not, mm. just no, saving. Yeah. Oh yeah, because you were there. <laughs> There's a lot so, of profit there yeah.
1: sometimes, and uh, I mean, it's crazy how I, I was talking to a photographer who does some really high end stuff. And he said, he's like, I'm not specifically better than someone who's charging half my price. Mm-hmm. I just wear a suit and charge three times as much. Yeah. And I, yeah. I happen to be that photographer. Uh-huh. uh-huh. It's like it's <laughs> people, it's a consumer product, like buying and booking wedding films and video and photos. Oh, for sure. And it's all about marketing. Yep. You know? Yep. hundred so. percent. Because a lot of times the clients don't actually know the difference between a good photographer and a bad photographer. Yeah, yeah. So as long as you're a good person and uh, fun to be around. But but yeah, it's interesting how you do have like two kind of split sides, at least on the internet. You have Ben Hess Films and then you have... Uh, photos yeah
0: so that's my instagram that i first had was ben has photography and that's where i posted all my i I like to do like the model like videos and portraits too so i would do that and my weddings Mm. and i kind of retired that like if you go on there i haven't really posted at all in the past year Mm -hmm. and now it's just my ben has films cool and so you've rebranded as a filmmaker yeah and that kind of hurt to give that part like to set that part to the side or Put it on the back burner yeah. and retire that, and so I was like, ah, oh, because I built it up and now, yeah. like, it's just letting it go. And so it's pretty much all been word of mouth though, yeah. um, this past year, um, and now it's for the wedding stuff, and now yeah. it's transitioned to the, uh, to the Benes films. And what's interesting is when Samuel Elkins put that thing out there for videographers to email him. I sent him passion projects that I, I film with these little models, like I'd go do photos and then uh, we I filmed videos with my red. So they were like these little fun passion projects. And I did those because I liked them and they were so fun to put on YouTube and stuff. And that gave me content to send to Sam. Yeah. And so it was a passion project mm-hmm. that I was able to send him. And if I didn't have that, I don't know if we'd be working together if I didn't yeah. shoot that video because I wanted to. Exactly, So
1: that's another good tip. If mm-hmm. anybody's listening and they want to get started, even if you're not being hired for that thing that you mm-hmm. want to do, figure out a way to do that while you're also doing your paid gigs mm-hmm, mm-hmm. really clever really smart way to transition there ha- i mean has the transition been successful so far
0: yeah so what's interesting is my day. i worked at a supplement store out of high school that's mm-hmm. what it was and it w- went like from workout supplements yeah like protein powder gotcha. so i originally was supposed to be like their social media guy and i just yeah. went straight into sales so nice. <laughs> uh it went from like you know 100 percent supplements to then uh like 50 supplements and then of my income, yeah, and then it weddings like you're were
1: about fit- your actual health.
0: No, no, yeah, yeah. and then uh, <laughs> it was yeah. like fifty percent weddings, fifty percent supplement income, and then started getting like more weddings. And as soon as I was making like double in weddings what I was at the supplement place. Yeah, and then I'm like, okay, then I eventually left the supplement shop because I was making more than I would have. Uh, with my weddings then I slowly transitioned from weddings I was doing like let's say 90% weddings 10% filmmaking then slowly that number started shifting the other way Gotcha. so I'm constantly kind of transitioning and now I'm I'm almost at like, you know, I'd say 80% filmmaking, only 20% weddings. So mm-hmm. it's just kind of carefully transitioning from one season where you want to be to the next if for me. Yeah.
1: yeah, that's amazing. And mm-hmm. uh, I highly recommend anybody who's wanting to get out of maybe a day job. That's a great way to do it. Just mm-hmm. start doing it on the side. And then you can slowly balance that scale the other way until, yeah, until you start at least making the same amount. Mm-hmm. I know for me, um, I was a freelance filmmaker and then I started doing YouTube and I realized there was a, a point where YouTube revenue was enough to live off of, but it mm-hmm. was kind of not enough. It was like, we'd have to be really budget conscious. And yeah. so I actually wanted a little bit of that passion to push myself to do you more. have to uh-huh. so I actually mm-hmm. at a point where it probably wouldn't have been wise I said no more freelance uh-huh. and it kind of gave me a fire that I needed to oh, work yeah. harder. Mm-hmm. and I eventually because of that there was about two or three months where we were like looking through our penny like jar just to pay for gas yeah but then
0: after that <laughs> uh-huh. everything like paid off and um, you know it ended up working I love that yeah I think it's all about just like my acting coach would call it raising the stakes yeah. to, to make a scene, like for actors, just make make the scene feel real somehow. Mm-hmm. But same for business, just raise the stakes. Yeah. And you did that. Yeah. And, so, and then sure enough, it gives you the fire and the drive and the hunger to yeah. really push yourself further I've, than you would have.
1: I've heard actors like shooting on film for that very reason. Every time you hear the... T- Oh, yeah. That's it's money. Like, That's a lot money. of money. <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. I saw an interview
1: with uh, Shia LaBeouf, and he said, I hate it. I, I want to shoot digital that way. I can just, like, improvise for, like, three hours. Yeah, yeah. You know. But, I mean, who wants to shoot one scene <laughs> yeah. for that long? Oh, yeah. Um. So if you go to your YouTube page, um, mm-hmm. there, there has been, like, a huge transition on your YouTube page as well. If you mm-hmm. look at it, you've got all these, like, uh, passion projects, occasional wedding stuff, um your own personal projects. And Mm -hmm. then something happened about a year ago where it's like, boom, now you're a YouTuber, it looks like. Yeah. (laughs) So so I what's your like what's your your strategy for that? Are you wanting to get into that more or what?
0: Yeah. So my Instagram kind of took off a few probably about like six months ago. Um and then I'm like, man, I need to capitalize on this and make because I saw, you know, YouTube's really blowing up for a lot of people and um and there's still so much opportunity out mm. there. And I feel like I'm pretty good in front of the camera, like talking and just feeling that personality, like having a good personality. Yeah. And so my YouTube still isn't where I need it to be. I have a few um, kind of like product reviews, but I just want to mm-hmm. get onto a consistent basis where it's more tutorials and, Samuel Elkins told me one time, like, make what you want to watch. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, that's so true. Like, and I, so for me, I really want to start making like short little commercials. Mm-hmm. Uh, like spec? What, yeah. Kind of spec work or passion projects and have someone there to film the whole behind the scenes. and I could show the process from the idea to the final edit. Nice. You know, like the shooting, the just how I light things. Like, that's kind of like what I would like to see. And yeah. so, I want to uh yeah my youtube's a little slow right now but that will be uh be ramping up pretty soon so
1: (laughs) that's awesome man yeah i i think one of the things that really i've been soaking on these last couple of months as i mentioned i had another baby like Mm -hmm. almost two months ago and i just have been so exhausted and i haven't been working very Mm, much yeah and as a creative and as an entrepreneur i've always kind of been like oh this sucks like i'm i'm really slacking but like the truth (sighs) is is like if you put anybody in my circumstance they would be exhausted too oh 100 so like, and it's okay to kind of chill for a little bit it's okay to like be wise and, and take your time with things because this is a lifelong career yeah. you know I'm almost 30 i i would say i probably got at least 30 or more years left in me mm-hmm. and i'll probably be doing the same thing for the next 30 to 40 years <laughs> and like so what if a couple of months i gotta like put the breaks on a little bit
0: you know oh like, yeah and especially like, for a kid you know you gotta yeah, be with yeah. your family and that's so, the most important uh-huh. and
1: as i've had now two kids i'm realizing like oh man this is so much more fulfilling and important than any success i could ever ever in, in career oh yeah i remember hearing that from my dad who's a musician he was a, a solo artist in the 90s and stuff and uh that's why i grew up in nashville oh, but, okay okay um, uh-huh. And he always said, he's like, I didn't go on tour. I didn't do the whole musician thing because I wanted to be home and I wanted to be with you guys. Mm-hmm. I might've had more success financially or success in my career, but at the end of the day, like who cares? You know? Yeah. And I'm yeah. grateful that he did that because he's, he's an amazing dad. So, mm-hmm. that's um, awesome. So yeah, I mean, at the end of, I, I always was like, well that, you know, you should have done that. Like you should have been more successful. That's what I always thought. Mm-hmm. Now that I'm in those shoes, I realize like, oh no, like my dad totally had his head on straight and that's yeah. totally correct. Yeah. So. Anyways, why not Ari? Why why didn't you go Ari with uh, an Alexa?
0: Um, I feel like the red is a little. I actually, truthfully, I didn't really know too much about Ari Ari, however you want to say it, yeah, <laughs> um, Aerie, up until a few years ago, uh-huh. and so I think the red was. Pr- I think it was just cheaper though cheaper. too. Well, it's, um,
1: uh, you can buy one pretty cheap used now. But-
0: yeah, they're, yeah, they're coming out in price, still a little pricey, but um, between yeah. like five and eight thousand bucks, you could probably pick a like red up. But the, yeah. I, I guess. The red seem more popular online, so I'm like, yeah. I just I well, just want a, the
1: frame or, rates too. So. Yeah,
0: I'm like, I just want a red, you know. And yeah, so, totally. yeah. <laughs> what
1: are you thinking now, though? In 2019, now that you um, have this thirty thousand dollar thing, should you just sell it and go Ari, or what do you think?
0: Um, I'm probably gonna hang on to the red just because I'm so accustomed to it. Yeah. My butt, my close friend who I do a lot of filming with, I think he's gonna pick uh one up an Ari. Uh-huh. So there you go. I'll just let him get it, and I do want this this the new Komodo that's gonna come out, which mm-hmm. looks kind of cool. I know. Um, I've seen all about that. So, is it going to have an RF mount or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah. interesting. Yeah. You
1: know, what's real interesting is I just bought a RF to EF Speed Booster. Speed Booster, okay. Metabones released it literally two days ago. Oh, my gosh. And I'm going to review it tomorrow. It's coming in tomorrow. So, uh-huh. imagine putting, I think, the kimono, whatever it is. It's supposed to be full frame, I think. Yeah, so you yeah. could, I don't know. There might be crops in different frame rates, probably. Mm-hmm. So, if you put the Speed Booster on it, then you get full frame.
0: Right? Yeah, so. what I really want is... uh, uh Hydrogen 2? Oh uh, what? <laughs> A red hydrogen tube Yeah. That's, not happen. Uh, <laughs> so it, the, that's the mobile phone that. Was oh terrible. yeah. Yeah yeah. yeah sorry go ahead no you're good the uh it's like a speed booster f- for the red so there's this company that buys them uh-huh. and they, they they buy the mount from red and they install their own speed booster and then they'll ship it to you but it costs a few thousand bucks and they're just yeah. finishing the prototype so oh, the wow. first round of production so so that th-
1: would make yours
0: make forward. it like a monstro oh, yeah, yeah. yeah yeah without having to spend an extra thirty thousand dollars <laughs> <laughs> oh man it's such an expensive game
1: to play in that yeah. higher end side of things and to be honest like i've reviewed the black man magic 6k mm. and that camera cost $2500 yeah, 6k uncompressed raw or yeah. compressed and it's like really good oh yeah
0: the the gap between what used to be very expensive or like used to be like like way up there versus it's it's closing i don't oh, know how yeah. to put it but it's like you totally. can get so much quality and value mm. for so little now you're paying
1: an extra twenty thousand for a small percentage better but, yeah. it's, but it's also the perceived value that you've talked about. Uh-huh, too. uh-huh. But anyways, <laughs> um, I noticed that you did a, a collab with Jonathan Morrison on your video. Yes. Tell me about your relationship with him and how you you met him yeah, and stuff.
0: Yeah, he just send me a DM on Instagram. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) It was. uh, I think he was um, probably looking to to bring on some more people onto his uh, into his studio or YouTube uh, channel. Yeah. Um, to kind of help him build it up a little bit more. And so Uh, I went down there, hung out with him a few times, um, and then kind of just stayed friends ever since. I never ended up working for him or anything. Um, I'm assuming that's kind of what he wanted to see if I was a good fit to. uh, But I I was kind of saying how I want to live in Bakersfield because all my family's still there. Yeah. So I wouldn't be able able to really move because he lives even further south of LA down yeah. in Claremont mm-hmm. um, but yeah he yeah, Evan, messaged Austin me Evans, them, it, oh yeah yeah mm-hmm. so I still go down there I need to go ha- hang Did out you ever with meet, him, uh,
1: him Kim Bolito the Austin shooter Ken
0: uh, I, I mean I haven't really talked with him yeah, yeah. but
1: he was there when I've gone down there yeah yeah, so. yeah I just mentioned that because we had Ken on the podcast oh really he's a, a friend of mine too so, <laughs> awesome awesome um, yeah I need to go down there and check out their studio it sounds pretty epic oh
0: yeah they've got like I've, I've never seen more and gear Ret- in my uh, life
1: Rettinger too is out, out there too Right? Uh John Redinger. I I don't know who
0: that is. (laughs) Just another big YouTuber. Uh
1: he created Techno Buffalo. Oh,
0: okay. I don't know who that is. (laughs) (laughs) So do
1: you actually do you want to be in the YouTube game or are you trying to like use YouTube as a tool to assist you to become a filmmaker? You mentioned early on in your career you didn't necessarily want to go the traditional film route because Mm -hmm. of the just the system Mm -hmm. but now are you changing your mind do you want to go into hollywood do you want to be a youtuber in air quotes
0: yes so good question so i think i've kind of as soon as i started working with samuel elkins he kind of introduced me to this whole short form commercial lifestyle stuff yeah and i've really gravitated towards that Mm. because i like the fact that instead of uh, you know working on a feature-length film which can take years of your life mm-hmm. to accomplish one thing I could do these short little commercials it might take a week or two and be done and you can then move on to the next thing yeah. you know and then you can also kind of scale up quicker uh-huh. um, and do bigger and bigger projects and yeah. so I, it was easier to uh, easier to dive into that world Yeah. Um, so I really want to did you see the unfold video that i did yes i saw it. it's i saw this on your website okay yeah and so that um that's pretty much exactly what i, li- I like to be doing like lifestyle brand like adventurous mm. outdoorsy anamorphic um flares yeah anamorphic <laughs> um and so we'll so. play uh, again i'll
1: just remind you guys if you're listening to the audio go to goldenhourpodcast.com and you can watch a video
0: clip of what we're talking about yeah, so that's um, kind of the route I want to go for the next couple years. Awesome. And it's how there's you a lot
1: of work for that kind of stuff.
0: Oh yeah. And so I really look up to guys like uh, his name's Johnny Mass. Mm-hmm. He's a young director, um, probably my age, maybe a year younger, but he's doing these multi like hundred thousand dollar up commercials. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, these are amazing. And so um, there's a few other guys that I really look up to as well. Mm-hmm. But how YouTube plays into that. I love the the teaching aspect because yeah. man there's so many things I've learned through trial and error that I wish I would have known back then yeah. that would have saved me years of headache or trial and error. Do you find do you call would you consider yourself a performer
1: though do you enjoy performing on camera if you will on youtube yeah like it's or teaching or or something i
0: do i do which i haven't done a ton of lately Mm -hmm. um i'll circle back into this in a minute but i'm doing videos for epidemic sound actually nice Um, i noticed that on your side yeah and so for youtube i want to create resources that will help Basically me five years ago get to where I am now faster. Uh-huh. If that makes sense um, So just help filmmakers get to where they are and I want to I have actually a pack of anamorphic lens flares That I'm coming out with soon and oh, then nice, you built yourself. Yeah, I That's like awesome. it was like 2 a.m I'm just with flashlight. I a flashlight. Yeah. have a you know sit with uh, in front of the lens. That's awesome So I have some resources like that But I also really want to make or that are not, not out yet But I yeah. want to make a course for filmmakers to just get uh to help fast track or speed track i don't know what you want to call it uh-huh. their success yeah um and so i would like to use youtube as a platform to kind of gain the uh audience but mm-hmm. also just i, I like kind of giving back in that sense sure and so I, i'm i still watching youtube videos all the time on how to get better yeah, yeah. and so i think it's just really fun too mm-hmm. and uh yeah <laughs> like, yeah it's just a, a nice tool for you but you, you don't
1: want to mm-hmm. be a youtuber yeah i don't necessarily.
0: think necessarily see that's the biggest thing I'm like dealing with right now. Do I have enough time to do YouTube? Plus, be like a DP director, uh-huh. you know? So, I've been asking a few people and I'm gonna try it out for a few months and see how it goes. Yeah. I'm hoping that with my passion projects that I wanna do, like I wanna do one for Oakley or Burton and go mm-hmm. up to Mammoth for a week and just film cool snowboarding stuff and, you know, throw yeah. commercials together. I'm hoping I can make that for myself, mm-hmm. you know, and then that'll build up my Ben S. Films brand, but also they'll give me YouTube content at the same time. Yeah, exactly. So. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> it's a
1: it's a tough like place to be now. I started mm-hmm. three years ago on YouTube. We just hit seventy thousand subs mm. about a week ago, and full time on that's that. amazing. Yeah, but I I don't know if if I started now. I mean, it's only been three years. Things have changed in three years. Yep, it's nuts mm-hmm. how quick things change and how hard it is to. Uh, Kind of rise to the top. Yeah. And yeah. you got to be fast. You got to be consistent. You know, a uh-huh. minimum really, if you're starting fresh, I think is like at least two to three videos a week. Really? Like, yeah. One a week is doable, but really not really. Like mm-hmm. not to become 100,000 and up, you know? Yeah. And it yeah. takes a lot of time, a lot of work. Uh-huh. It wasn't until I hired somebody full time to help me. To where. And are they filming and editing for it. you and stuff? Or? Yeah, it yeah. got to a point where we would shoot in the morning and then by the end of the workday, we'd have one video done. It's okay. So mm-hmm. One a day. One a day. And yeah. then, um, so we do one in one day and then we'd shoot all day the next day and then edit all day the next day. So yeah. it'd be one quick video and one like thorough, good video. Yeah, that's what I was thinking for myself. And then yeah. he would edit 100% of it. Mm. So that was. And even with that, you would think I had all this free time, but I was researching. uh, I was I was shooting um, tests and things Mm -hmm. like that. I would just give them like, "Hey, here's the B roll for this. Here's that." So by having somebody on board really helps tremendously. Oh, I Um, bet. Yeah, but I mean, you know, which is what I was doing for Sam. Basically, I was shooting and editing. So Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about this from the perspective of. Uh, You've mentioned you in the past, like you Mm -hmm. at 17, 18 years old. Uh Let's let's imagine somebody like you, uh, male or female, obviously, who's interested in these things. Uh What do you recommend? Do you think they should go to school? Do you think they should buy a camera like you did and go shoot a short film with uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger's son? What do you think?
0: Yeah, so uh, the film school, that one's a, Tricky one. Uh, there's because there's some that can cost so much money. Others yeah. are probably a little bit more affordable. USC is one that comes to mind that's very expensive. And yeah, hard to get into. yeah.
1: But if you can get into films like NYU or USC, mm-hmm. there is a lot of benefit to that. Yeah.
0: So I'd say probably the biggest thing you would get would be the the uh, community you'd be surrounding yourself with every single yeah. day. Um, and the the connections you can make. But then again, you can make that outside of film school as Mm -hmm. well. So I don't think you're going to learn... You might learn some more technicalities that you can't... Like maybe the art of like actual film like yeah. you know like i don't know any of that um like i'm sure it's probably on youtube though but, but also, yeah, yeah but
1: like also uh set etiquette you know understanding yeah. what things are called we call sandbags dirt we call tripod sticks you know mm-hmm. those types of things you learn yeah um and you when you go to a, a true film school they do throw mm-hmm. you onto real sets yeah so you do get some of that experience but those are all things that i got experience from in real life yeah as well. and same for me so yeah, i didn't and go to often f- i got paid mm-hmm. for it uh-huh.
0: <laughs> so <laughs> yeah i did Go to film school, so I can't really say if if I think it's worth it or not. But I'd say just do your research, maybe whatever school you're interested in, look up reviews on YouTube from other people who went there. That's you know, so that's a tough question to answer. Um, It's so
1: expensive and it's hard to justify
0: it, and Mm -hmm. I think everybody's path is different, yeah. What, there's a guy named Tim Ferriss, and I can't remember yeah. what he's the what he calls this, but let's say you spent a hundred thousand on film school. What if you took that hundred thousand and spent it on education outside, plus all this gear funding you know, on short films, yeah. like paying for private coaches i don't know whatever you want to do but yeah there's different ways to go about education yeah. Yeah. go to
1: go to vidcon go to vid summit mm-hmm. go to film conferences yeah by ryan on 101 course yep. you know those types yeah. of things like that doesn't all add up to hundred thousand. hundred thousand, i guarantee you uh-huh and it might give you more value anyways yeah
0: and so the biggest thing i could probably recommend would be relationships mm. so important for anyone that's listening uh relationships guys <laughs> yeah exactly so
1: uh i mean obviously sam elkins is is your example of that mm-hmm. and how I mean, you just reach out to his uh, request, and yep, also you yeah. do. Even though you live far away, you still mm-hmm. were drivable. You know? Yeah, so yes. maybe even mm-hmm. consider if you're mo- if you live in a, a rural area, mm-hmm. consider maybe moving to a more metropolitan area or something. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. that you can be surrounded by other creatives. Mm-hmm.
0: So mm-hmm. yeah, pretty much just try to like make friends because I feel like fr- friends hire friends. Mm-hmm. You know, you're. You, people do go h- out and hire people or post job postings for film and stuff, yeah. but it's so easy to just hide Like when I have a job come up and I need someone to help me I just call up my buddy Justin like hey come help me and yeah. then my other buddy So it's like you just got to keep building friends and offering value mm-hmm. And then the second thing would be like passion pro I'd say spec or passion projects um, Spec would be work under speculation that it can get you hired uh-huh. so Let's say you do something for Oakley obviously it's like be, a mock oakley ad yeah mm-hmm. yeah so it'd be cool if you can get hired by oakley but if you think about it there's so many other sunglasses companies yeah so they can see what you're made of and you could get hired by them yeah um and i'm still trying to figure that out myself is how to get my work in front of the right people to get mm-hmm. hired by um but then passion projects would be passion like create something that you're passionate about that you don't care if this leads to anything else you got to do something that like fuels you and do it because you love to do it which Mm -hmm. i need to do more of myself so yeah yeah again it's a long-term game don't be too hard on yourself oh yeah (laughs) so for those listening relationships and passion projects and yeah yeah and then also like like the the moment you stop showing your work is the moment i think you'll stop getting work Mm. You know, that's like when I, when I keep posting, like my Instagram gets seen more or whatever, Mm -hmm. my YouTube gets seen more and I get more inquiries or people Mm -hmm. reaching out and the moment you, like, out of sight, out of mind, you know.
1: You, so I'm, I'm scrolling through your Instagram as you're talking. I'm uh-huh. not ignoring you. Um, but I'm noticing that there's just a lot of great behind-the-scenes
0: shots, and you're in them. So who's yeah. taking those photos? Yeah, so my wife is in this room, and <laughs> she's probably at least half of those. Heck I'm yeah. like, honey, you got to grab this. This is going to make for some great Instagram posts. So
1: do you guys actually work together when you um, do shoots and stuff? Or is she, like, there to help you with the Instagram Ollie, specifically?
0: Um, no, I'll usually just drag her along for a shoot. <laughs> and um yeah she doesn't really yeah she doesn't really do the whole filmmaking stuff but she's there on filming days yeah, so. i married one of
1: those as well yeah <laughs> <laughs> except now she uh takes care of our amazing kids oh yeah that's way harder than oh filmmaking. that's a tough job yeah because yeah. <laughs> there's no off switch
0: yeah and bringing up instagram what's funny is i was kind of like struggling like what what do i do to grow or get seen more and then i remember i posted uh like a funny video of me no what was it no, Sam Elkin started getting these Uber deals uh-huh. and like
1: the company
0: Uber? Yeah, Uber, they like sponsored So it's not like commercials for Uber But a sponsored post for Uber okay. um, So I'd film him going around Los Angeles Or Utah or whatever Like using Uber And they're using the features that they wanted in the video And then those started getting some traction And I'm like, okay Like people really liked them And we were just like making those things We would try to get in-camera transitions uh-huh. Which I'm a real big fan of Yeah, So I'd like plan out like my in-camera transition and then for one of them, I'm, I'm like, Serena, here, get a shot of me doing this whip transition. Uh-huh. So I and then I posted that on my Instagram and it just started getting some traction. Yeah. I would do like on the top would be the, the actual edit. And at mm-hmm. the bottom would be the behind the scenes of me filming it and how yes. I actually did it. Yeah. And then I started posting more behind the scenes stuff. And before, you know, it, like my Instagram started taking off. Wow. And um, then then what happened? And then this is probably the coolest part. Epidemic Sound reached out, which they're yeah. they're a huge royalty-free sound. I use them, yeah. yeah okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. And they they were doing a big project in New York. Uh-huh. And they contacted me probably like two weeks before they were going to film it. Uh-huh. And uh, I like called Sam up. I'm like, Sam, what do you even charge for this? I want to know a quote or something. And so I f- ended up getting the job. And nice. that was like, and I was able to take my wife along. and yeah. And I was like so nervous because I knew that... Uh, another filmmaker was filming Maddie Hapoya and Peter McKinnon in Dubai. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, I gotta make these videos just as good. I'm like, I was so nervous they wouldn't be as good. So I poured my heart and soul into these videos. Like, gave it everything I got and um, filmed as much B-roll as I could. Mm. I I remember uh, we film with Rob Stroke. He's a photographer and I just wanted this specific shot of him walking through the New York city steam coming through the ground. Yeah. We probably, I probably did that 30 times. <laughs> like I, I did so it you're when
1: directing and shooting basically. pretty
0: much. It was mm-hmm. a very run and gun scenario. And mm-hmm. that's what I kind of specialized in actually is the DP director at the same time. Yeah. Um, but so anyways, yeah, yeah, long story short, like the, we, I go home, edit the videos. They all turned out great. Awesome. And then they, uh, and then I got to do like five YouTube videos for them because wow. they liked the whole series so much. I was wondering about that because, if, again, if you go on
1: your website, which mm-hmm. is – is it BenHessFilms.com? Yeah, the yeah. Um, there's like some of your client work and there's like five Epidemic Sound videos yeah. there. So I was like, wow. Yeah, so there, there's the <laughs> They're a big client.
0: Yeah, and so those five videos – They must have really Led to I – I don't think the, t- the tutorials are on my website, but they're on Epidemic Sounds YouTube. Mm-hmm. So I did the five videos – for YouTube after I did the three series in New York. And then they're like, hey, we got something in Sweden. Mm. And I'm like, sweet, so we go to Sweden. Sweet. Sweden, Sweden. Yeah. And then after that, uh, no, there was, yeah, there either, I don't remember what was first, but then there was another gig in New York where they came down to New York for, I think it was VidCon or Uh something like that. Uh And so I go down and shoot a promo video for them and they loved it. And then they, they want to, then they just started hiring me for four YouTube videos a month for them. Mm. So it's like all from one person. And this is, okay, this is where it gets crazy. So looking, (laughs) and this is where polar pro comes in as well. And so the, uh, how do i how do i begin this so peter mckinnon is kind of tied in with samuel elkins a little bit because they're both big photographers and, and they shoot on the 1dx yeah <laughs> and then um i go to or no i remember peter mckinnon dms me one day and i'm like i like wake up and i'm like oh my gosh like this is the yeah. best day ever um <laughs> and i think because he saw i asked them how he kind of found me and i think it was kind of through samuel elkins sure. and some of the uber videos yeah um which, if you guys are listening, if you think back, those that first free kind of meeting I did with Samuel Elkins, this is all leading up to here. Yep. And then, um, so I meet up with Peter McKinnon, and he's filming this documentary for Angels and Airwaves. Mm-hmm. And so, and he saw that I have my anamorphic lenses, and mm-hmm. he wanted some cool flares for this documentary he's making. Yeah. And so, I ended up, uh, you know, going to Vegas and San Diego with Peter McKinnon. And then I asked him, oh, I need some uh, filters. Should I get the... I got the eosr recently i was like oh should i get the polar pro ones or the uh like the in the A one built-in one the built-in one and he's like dude i got you and so he sends me the polar pro ones Yeah, heck yeah. heck and that's why i kind of co- got connected with uh with, with polar, polar pro. pro and then and now you're here <laughs> well so i'll take it back even further at vid is it vid, vid summit or what's the one that was you guys were just at vid summit vid summit yeah so i ran into the guys at polar pro i started talking with them so you went to that summit? Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then the Daryl Leaves convention. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And then uh, Sean Holliday, Peter's uh-huh. manager, gave a talk and said how they contacted Epidemic Sound to do that initial Music Matters campaign. So which it's is like what you shot, which is what I shot, and I can't. Rem- I think they one of the girls, her name's Josephine. I owe it all to her. She found me, I think, on Instagram or maybe it was Peter. I don't know, but somehow they found me. Yeah. Uh, I got to figure out exactly how because everything was life-changing after that. But uh, (laughs) like, it's so crazy how it's like you know, I got hired because Peter McKinnon and Sean holiday had this idea for epidemic sound and that got me all these gigs and like, now I'm connected with you guys. And it's yeah. like, it's crazy you what can a, happen. Yeah. And while
1: we're on that topic of polar pro, let's talk about the, uh, the deal that we did with you, the Ben Hess uh, and polar pro base camp video. Um, and we, you know, we just released the base mm-hmm. oh, system. Oh yeah. It was just a, a, like a lightweight map box system. Uh-huh. There's really nothing like it on the market. Um, it is a closed system, so you mm-hmm. can't use, like, traditional 4x5 filters and things like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But there's a reason for it. It's, it's super lightweight. Mm-hmm. It's super rugged. There's actual frame around the glass you can't just like it's not just a naked piece of glass that you just drop and then it just shatters everywhere oh yeah so tell me about your your base camp video your experience with the product and things like that
0: yeah so they asked me to, they're like hey we're coming out with something you know new would you like to try it out i'm like yes i'd love to yeah. and so um i got it in the mail and first i was like wow this is super lightweight because i used the tilta one prior mm-hmm. and i just like special ordered this little case from like airy to like hold six different nd filters yeah. so i'd put that on my belt i'd be running around like new york like trying to change filters solo yeah. like it was it was a mess and yeah, um that's the beauty of the base camp is it's vnd yeah and a so box. It, <laughs> yeah it basically it solved the huge problem like i shoot handheld quite a bit or on my on my easy rig uh-huh. and the my kit is pretty heavy and so anything i could do to lighten it yeah saves a lot like after a full day of shooting if it's only two pounds lighter that's a lot on your back yeah so it uh so i love the lightweight Capabilities of it, and then also you only have two different filters, the or for variable ND the two to five and six to nine. Yeah. So super super convenient for me to be able to change that exposure because I'm such a running gun shooter. Yeah. Sometimes you can miss a shot if you can't change filters quick enough. Totally. You know. So.
1: And were yeah. you using um,
0: diffusion filters in the past on your MatBox? Um. At all? Yeah. So there was a few times to- like I like ju- promised. Yeah. Things. I just started using some of those recently. Well, we're um, making a diffusion filter. I so. saw that. <laughs> I like that. So uh, hang in there for that. Yeah, and so, um, but yeah, super great product. I love how you can even take off. Is it the the core or like the the outer core? Yeah, to make it like a super like let's say just for a Ronin two or a movie or yeah. something, you could. It's basically the the hood and all that. Oh yeah, that's you what. Can, you, okay,
1: yeah, it's basically you just have just uh, essentially a filter that's just kind of. Mounted to your lens with nothing mm, around it. Mm-hmm. So it's super lightweight.
0: Yeah. So overall, yeah. just super impressed with the product and that's going to definitely cool. be on my kit a majority of the time for filming. Well, you're, so <laughs> you're
1: definitely the demographic for that product. And uh, we're <laughs> happy that you made that awesome video about it. Thank you. <laughs> Talk to me about your anamorphic experience going into the Atlas system. if if uh, And let's start from the basics. Um, what is anamorphic and why is especially Atlas so important to the film community?
0: Yeah. So with anamorphic's, that's um, basically where black bars came from, you know? So (laughs) everyone's adding black bars in, but a lot of people don't know why. And so with anamorphic, you're literally stretching, you're getting two times the field of view. You get Mm -hmm. like this amazing um, bokeh, you get the flares, Mm -hmm. just really nice characteristics. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's like bad characteristics in a sense, like your image kind of gets distorted or stuff, but that's what makes it look so cinematic sometimes. Mm -hmm. And so... If you look at all the big time commercials, I noticed they were all shot on anamorphic. So I'm like, if only I had anamorphic, which is probably not the best mindset, guys. <laughs> <laughs> but um, luckily in my circumstance, I was able to, you know, kind of pick some up. And so I saved. I originally was just going to get one lens. I was actually able to get two lenses. What and have? The 40 and the 60? 40 and the 60. Nice. Um, and a lot of people don't
1: realize this, but um, with anamorphic, the that focal range is not what you think mm-hmm. because you're getting it's kind of like medium format in a way where mm-hmm. if if you have a medium format camera and you put a 50 millimeter lens on it you get the compression of a 50 yep but like the wideness of like a 35 yeah, so yeah. is that
0: true with anamorphic kind of correct yeah so you basically uh it's a for a two times uh, 2x anamorphic uh there's 1.3x there's like a 1.5x you want the, 2x if you can do 2x that. is the best um and so it'll let's say you put use a 50 millimeter lens or I have a forty, so I get the the depth of field of a forty millimeter lens, but the width of a twenty. Wow! So it's so that's actually a very wide lens. Yeah, in, in quotes. So. so it's a pretty wide lens. Um, but you
1: get the the compression of a forty, mm-hmm, not a mm-hmm. not a twenty, which would have been which is really distorted.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so with in like, let's say you shoot with a twenty millimeter lens and just throw on some black bars in the end, you it's still not the same because you. It's it's really hard to explain I guess without visuals yeah. but it's just not the same. <laughs> think, so
1: the obviously this all originate the reason that it's so popular is because intuitively it's uh, it's something that reminds us of traditional film. Yeah. And the reason yeah. that it was created originally for real filmmaking like on actual film was to add a wider field of view to 35 millimeter film which Mm -hmm. is a a box it's a four by three aspect ratio yeah and if you were to film a wider frame which would technically be crop on that strip of film you would lose a lot of resolution you're losing Mm -hmm. half of that quality so the anamorphic lenses basically bend the image and compress all this uh wideness all this extra field of view into a box a four by three box Mm -hmm. which was traditional film they would you know print it on film in that way and then they would project it using basically a reverse lens on the projector (laughs) that would project it in a super wide field of view and a lot of people say that two three five to one which is what anamorphic is Uh traditionally is what your eyeballs actually see so like if you actually think about what you're looking at right now with your eyes it's actually a super long long and long wide image so that's you know it's it's more cinematic you mm-hmm. get a better experience and back in the old days of film they were able to compress a lot of resolution into a four by three that's super nerdy but so there you go
0: yeah and then um i was look, looking into atlas or, i mean looking into anamorphic lenses and then i noticed uh atlas is a brand we're coming yeah. out with this new pair of or new set of lenses which were quotes affordable compared to typical yeah. and anim- most anamorphics cost about thirty thousand dollars each mm-hmm. and the atlas ones were coming in at just nine thousand dollars each yeah and so i was it's like a
1: fraction of the cost yeah
0: it's, it's still ridiculous but it's a lot of money and mm-hmm. but luckily like they're still back ordered so it's like yeah. if i need to sell those like I could sell them for probably more than, yeah. which with probably cameras, you can't do that. With, le- with certain lenses, you probably can sell them for more than what you bought them for. That's but uh, a
1: lot of cinematographers really say invest in glass, not bodies. Because mm-hmm. you can, if you get hired for a shoot, just rent a body and use your glass. Yeah. Because it can carry its value. Um, you know, a good friend of mine who's a big DP in Nashville, he just bought a set of Cook uh, Cook lenses. Ooh man! <laughs> and you know, he dropped you know sixty grand on all that or whatever. Yeah. Um, instead of buying a red, and mm-hmm. he was smart because he's had those same lenses now for about six seven years. Yeah, he brings yeah. them on every shoot, and uh, as cameras upgrade, he's able to have the same class.
0: Yep, yep. That's how it's done. But so. yeah, so
1: Atlas came out of nowhere, kind of, and uh-huh. um, started developing true anamorphic lenses at a quote, affordable price. Mm-hmm. In the cinema world, it's actually extremely affordable. It's actually a huge deal in the cinema world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, that's how you got those. Do you have a relationship with Atlas? I know they're here. Um, right?
0: No, I mean, I've gone down to their warehouse or yeah. to their office and chatted with them, and they, they know me. But, uh, yeah. yeah, that was... Yeah, no really deals with them that I've done or anything. Yeah. So, if cool. you guys want to, let me know. Yeah. <laughs> I could, I could which, swoop on um, another lens. <laughs> which lens do you like the most out of the two that you own? So, it's interesting. The Boca is amazing. With the sixty. Five, mm-hmm. super cinematic. The flares are okay. I mean, they're amazing. They're really good because you, you know, there's no flares with anything other than anamorphic yeah. um, that you can get like that. But with the forty, I there's a Roger Deakins YouTube video out there that just talks about how you're able to get closer to the subject, yeah, and you just feel the psychology of being closer. And with a forty, with or yeah, or with any like the wider lenses, probably like thirty five and below or whatever. Yeah. And so I just love to shoot wider so I can get closer to the subject, mm-hmm. and so that's why I gravitate gravitate towards the forty. You just there's not as much bokeh or not not as big of bokeh. Um, but I just love the feeling of it, and the the flares on the forty are to die for. Yeah. Like, so people ask me should I get the forty or sixty five, and I, I tell them if you want Boca, sixty five, if you want flares forty. So, and
1: what? Um, how do you deal with the close focusing issues of anamorphic? Because that's a known. Uh, issue with them is that mm-hmm. often you can't like if I wanted to film you right now with the 40 that might be a little too close yeah
0: right? so the close focus on the anamorphic is actually on the atlas is actually really good which it's only like two and a half feet most of them are like four feet I think oh wow um, but I have what's called a diopter mm-hmm. so I'll place that on front um, you could put s- there's some matte box diopters or there's some like screw on matte boxers m- I mean screw on diopters uh-huh. but with the uh, um, for smaller lenses you could do screw on but for the cinema lenses you need a drop-in or uh i have like this one that i kind of like sandwich between uh my old tilta matte box uh-huh. and i have to use rails for it and i'll like squish it between my lens and my uh the okay. matte box so. so
1: is it basically like it's almost like a magnifying glass yeah uh, it's those same physics. it's a
0: 400 magnifying glass so. yeah and so
1: that <laughs> allows you to focus almost macro i guess yeah
0: yeah so you could put it on any lens but then um, you lose
1: infinity at that point right
0: um yeah so you could only focus it depends on the lens but only focus from let's say like a foot to three feet okay. you, you can't focus anymore so if you want to shoot something far away you got to take it out so, so. It's, a,
1: it's an intentional thing that you put in there when you need it
0: yeah it's a little cumbersome but the the shots and like the bokeh gets Insane, yeah, (laughs) on uh, a die off, yeah, that's just the beauty of the physics of
1: of, uh, the way lensing works Mm -hmm. the closer you are to your lens, the more bokeh you get. Mm -hmm. Well, there's just more stuff behind you, yeah, yeah, very cool. Do you think YouTubers should shoot
0: anamorphic? Um, probably not because if yeah, yeah, I think it's overkill. I've done it a few times because I just can't, I'm like, I have to shoot anamorphic, but I'm shot with uh,
1: Sam in anamorphic,
0: yes, I've shot with him quite a few times on anamorphic it's a big setup you can't you know there's no autofocus stuff yeah. you know i i recently picked up the eosr just because it would give me the f- i could set the autofocus on my face just yeah. take a step back and film both anamorphic it was just a little too much
1: <laughs> have you shot any youtube videos of yourself
0: in anamorphic yes i have and half of it's out of focus so that's yeah. <laughs> why i stopped doing it
1: <laughs> one day hopefully we'll see more anamorphics uh in the affordable range i saw yeah. a company i think laowa maybe is making like a Uh, Sony E-mount 50mm anamorphic. A lot of those are kind Uh of halfway. They're not the same
0: like the SLR Magic Mm -hmm. uh, adapters. A lot of people love those. Yeah, not Um, quite true anamorphic. And there's some anamorphics coming out but only for like micro four-thirds cameras yeah. which they're costing less because of course the there's less glass you have, yeah. to, have to manufacture those i'd assume yeah so. i think
1: i saw one recently yeah it's it's gonna be like a 40 on a gh5 yeah and it'll be around like five grand Which, mm-hmm. like again you know it, it, for for people who own a gh5 you know that camera costs 1200 bucks it shoots mm-hmm. 6k anamorphic 10-bit internal oh yeah with stabilization on the sensor like
0: Yeah, that's cool oh yeah
1: yeah so so to close our great conversation Uh by the way i've really enjoyed this thank uh, you me as well me as well um (laughs) what what would kind of be your your thing to say to again to somebody who's starting out what's kind of your main message that you want to get across to people who are just now getting started
0: yeah i'd say uh passion projects shoot what you love um post the work that you want to get I'd say that's huge. You know, whatever, whatever type of work you want to be getting, you have to be shooting that content. And if you're not getting hired for it, pull out your wallet, go book, you know, a model or something yeah. do, and uh, go film. And yeah, I'd say you basically create your own opportunity as well. Yes. That's huge. Don't wait around for the right client or the right work to come your way. You have to create it yourself, in my opinion. Um yeah, that's what I wish I would have done long ago. So
1: you've really, uh, you've really done that with your own work, though, because obviously the Sam Elkins, mm-hmm. the epidemic, the Pierre McKinnon, you didn't necessarily like re- intend to have those opportunities. It was because you went out and did it, and you made it happen. And and you know, you reach out to Sam in that case, but yeah. you also had the spec work to show that you knew what you're talking about. So yeah. it's so important to go make it happen. It's not going to just land in your
0: lap. Yeah, and a lot of times, like I. Th- think about it myself like oh if only I reached out to again like Oakley let's for example let's say I reached out to them and said hey can I make a commercial for you but if I don't have anything to even show them Mm. why would they hire me you need to have a a real or not not necessarily a real I mean probably a real but Mm. you need to have a set of videos that can show your your talent and capabilities Mm. and there's all the agencies and stuff, which is I'm still trying to figure all that stuff out as well. Mm. But, um, you know, I think just having a body of work that really reflects what you want to be filming is so mm. crucial. And then, again, friendships, guys. So,
1: <laughs> yes, absolutely. I think it's not really what you know. It's who, you know. That's oh, yeah. saying yep. Right. And, um, I, you know, you didn't mention this, but I can just tell from an hour of talking to you that you're a very friendly and outgoing person. So <laughs> <Thank> that, <you. laughs> that helps. Like you want to want to be around the people that you hire. Yeah. And that's yeah. so valuable to be kind, to be considerate, to, mm-hmm. to work hard. And that's another thing that I've seen from our, just our conversation. Mm-hmm. You put your blood, sweat and tears into every opportunity that you've been given. Yeah. You have to. Uh-huh. And it pays off because these yeah. people that you work with are like, wow, he really went above and beyond. Mm-hmm. -hmm. And he was polite and kind and on time and prompt. These types of things are so valuable. Oh
0: yeah, yeah. And on time in LA traffic. Ooh, that's a tough one. But
1: (laughs) it's all good. Yeah. Well, Ben, thank you so much for coming in to the uh, the podcast here. Well, thank you for having us. (laughs) Great to meet you. And uh, yeah, we'll see you next time. All righty. See ya. I hope you guys enjoyed my interview with Ben Hess. It was a pleasure meeting him and getting to know him. Hit him up on Instagram and let him know that you enjoyed the interview as well. And if you haven't already, I would encourage you to please leave a rating and review in the Apple Podcast app. It really helps get the word out that this podcast exists for people who are interested in the creative space. So please review it. And give it a couple stars if you think it's worth it. I hope you guys had an enjoyable Thanksgiving last week and bought a bunch of stuff for Cyber Monday. We've got a couple more weeks until Christmas, so hang in there. We have another amazing guest next week, so make sure to subscribe to the Golden Hour podcast and get ready for that next Tuesday. Once again, I'm Dave Mays here in the Polar Pro Studio, and we'll see you next week.